Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast with Zane Nakvi. This is Al Sacco. And look, football is a team game, right? There's so many plays within 60 minutes that happen on both sides of the ball, and, and 11 people need to do their job for things to happen. It's a team sport. You win and lose as a team. But man, it was hard for me to watch this game on Sunday and not think that there was one person losing this game for the 49ers. Fair or not, I don't know. But it just seemed to me that number four back there behind center is just doing things that this team cannot overcome by just handing points. Points that can be so hard to come by sometimes in the NFL, handing them to the other team over and over and over again. And man, it's frustrating. All the injuries, all the injuries that this team has had if this quarterback, you know what's in, I'm not even, not even going to say his name today. If this quarterback just took care of the football, and you have to really play super well, just took care of the football against the Eagles, against Washington, against the Cowboys, might be looking at, at eight wins with, with, with this depleted roster, still could be looking at eight wins. And I, I know I've been kind of harping on that, Zane, but man, it's, it's, it was tough for me to take. So if somebody still wants to win, Zane, it was tough for me to take. Likewise. And before I give my response to that, so are we making a bet here? Like if you mention this quarterback's name, then like you owe me Christmas cookies or something like that. Is, is that what we're going to do? Something like that. You can say it if you want to. I'm going to okay, try okay, to go this whole show without saying his name. Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good to say that, Al. Yeah. I know you wish you could. <laughs> so I've been very staunchly in the corner of if a quarterback or if a team wins, the quarterback should get the bulk of the credit, the coaching staff and other players, unless like somebody else carried the team. The flip side of that is that if they lose, that also means the quarterback gets most of the blame. And that's just, unfortunately just how it is. It's the most important position in sports, in my opinion. And it is, in my opinion, the most difficult position in sports as well. If you want to say like a hockey goalie for sure. But I mean, to me, being a quarterback, I mean, played that position, like it's, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. And when, you are the backup quarterback. There's a couple of things that a backup quarterback needs to do. Number one, you got to know the game plan. And number two, you can't turn it over because most backup quarterbacks are already limited. That's why they're not starting. And if they turn the ball over, they're literally the biggest value that they bring is to basically be a babysitter of the game or the ball or whatever it is and, and, and let the other guys kind of make plays and win. They when they turn the ball over, they take away the biggest thing that they're supposed to bring to the game. And what Nick Mullins has done over the past couple of weeks has basically almost single-handedly tanked the 49ers playoff hopes. And I don't want to be too harsh with that. And that sounds harsh, but in reality, that's kind of what's happened. He gave the Washington football team 14 points and then proceeded to turn it over a couple more times that gave Dallas more points. and when you're doing that and you put your defense in that position where they're having to guard a short field, when the, the opposition have, has the ball inside the red zone already, or very, very close to the red zone, that's not a winning formula. And that's exactly why if you look at statistically, the Niners defense are top five defense in terms of yardage, but in terms of points, they're not because the offense turns it over so much. 
And that's a that's a direct reflection on them. And it must just drive Kyle Shanahan crazy because there are plays to be made out there. And we've seen it. You see it on film and Jimmy missed guys and Mullins missed guys and they they both missed guys. And they both but they've both been turning the ball over this year. And I, I know you want to get into that stat a little bit, but as a backup quarterback, your job is to literally be the custodian of the game and not mess things up. And when you're messing things up, you don't have the ability to come back from that because you're already so limited. And that's not a knock against Mullins. It's just how it is with backup quarterbacks, with other backups. So yes, if they have better quarterback play, they would probably be in the playoff hunt still right now. Uh, the worst part about all this, Al, is that all of the other teams in the NFC West are frauds. All of them. They all have warts. They all have huge faults. Seattle doesn't have any pass rush and they play, they're exactly as good as whatever opponent that they play, good or bad. They're exactly that good. They don't blow anybody out. They won eight of their 10 games by one score. If you look at the Rams, they just lost to the, they just lost to the winless Jets. The Niners swept them. The Cardinals are wildly erratic. So if the Niners had some sort of decent quarterback play, even serviceable quarterback play this year, they they would have definitely been in the thick of it, not only for the playoffs but for, for the division too. In the current the current quarterback who's playing right now has the highest interception percentage in the league at three point seven percent. He's tied with Drew Locke, I believe. Third in interceptions with twelve, despite playing three less games than at least three less games than everyone else ahead of him. In his last seven starts this season, six sixteen turnovers. 16 freaking turnovers and seven starts. It's, just, it's unbelievable to me. 12 interceptions and four fumbles lost. But the bigger issue with this QB room and the reason why we keep having these conversations is, oh, the Niners are heading towards 10 losses again. Two things. The quarterbacks can't hold on to the football. The starting quarterback is not on the field. So Zane, going to throw two stats at you right here, okay? You ready for these? Mm-hmm. So... Since Kyle Shanahan took over this team in 2017, they played 62 regular season games. The quarterbacks have turned the ball over 81 times. Garoppolo, 31. He has 26 interceptions and five fumbles lost. Mullins, 26, 22 and four. Beathard, 19, 13 and six. And Hoyer turned it over five times, four interceptions, one fumble lost. You don't win like that. You just don't. And we don't know if Garoppolo can. Crap, did I, say, did I say his name when I was going through the stats? Uh, yeah, you I might have. I might have said his name. <laughs> you owe me cookies. Bottom of bitch. <laughs> I knew I couldn't get through the whole show without saying it. You can well, get five minutes without saying it. <laughs> What's the uh, time? Uh, it was seven minutes right now? Yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> it was really bad. I'm uh, pathetic. Anyway, so I'll yeah. Send you my, well, I'll send you my address right. offline. So anyway, so... Now, now Garoppolo has been the starting quarterback since 2018, right? Since day one. That's when this has been his team, since 2018. Do you know what the 49ers record is since 2018? Uh, go hit me with it. 22 and 24. Mm-hmm. So they are a losing team since Garoppolo took over, quote unquote, as the starter. You say, well, Al, they're 17 and 8 with Jimmy. What do you mean they're a losing team? They're not a losing team with Jimmy. Well, they are because they can't stay on the field. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Because he's played three games in 2018 and six games this year, they've lost what looks like is going to be 10 plus games in both of those seasons. So there's your issue with this with this quarterback room, and that this is what has to change. You need to get someone who's going to hang on to the football and not make back breaking turnovers, and you need to get someone who's going to stay on the field. 
however that happens, however you do it, that's what has to happen for this team to move forward. If not, it's going to be the same story over and over again. They may have a, they may have a year like last year. But listen, well, I think Jimmy had a good regular season last year. The Niners had a historically good defense. That defense was ridiculous. So it was able to overcome Garoppolo's 18 turnovers. It's not going to happen every year. The defense is not going to be like that in the years coming up. You need a quarterback that holds on to the ball and that is going to be on the field. The, what makes Mullen's stats even worse is that he, his attempts are really low. Like he doesn't, th- he doesn't throw the ball as much as most guys do. And that, that actually makes the, the fact that he's thrown so many interceptions and had so many term- turnovers even worse because you get less opportunities than most quarterbacks, but you turn, you turn the ball over just as much. I mean, I, I, I'm scared to think what would happen if he actually threw the ball just as much as the other quarterbacks do and the Niners didn't rely on their running game as much. So that obviously is a huge problem. He got hurt. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna see him for the rest of the season. To be honest, regardless of whether he's healthy or not, I think CJ is gonna get the, the call for the last two. But when you talk about what they've done with Jimmy, so so yeah, I mean, I think the biggest knock on Jimmy is that he can't stay on the field. That's a legitimate knock. We've heard a lot of high in the sky theories thrown out, and and he does this and that. But one thing that we do know. That is a fact that cannot be denied or debated is that he's not on the field enough and he gets hurt. He's been hurt every season he's been here with the, with the exception of the five games. I guess, I mean, the five games of the 2017, but he was hurt the year before with New England and the 2019 run. So when you want a starting quarterback, you need a guy who's going to be able to play all 16 games for you or close to it. Like things happen, a guy gets nicked up, he may miss a game here or there. And that's where the backup thing comes in, right? Because the backup ideally could come in and win a couple of games for you or finish off a game or finish off a win or something like that. You don't want your backup starting for 10 plus games in a season like they have two of the last three years. So yeah, that, that knock on Jimmy's legitimate. Now, his contributions and what he did, I mean, that's that part is debatable because here's here's the thing, Al. We're all forgetting the second half of last year, the defense gave up 26 and a half points a game. The second half That's of last fair. year. That's fair. Yep. After, after, Alex, after Alexander and Tart went down, that, that defense went in the tank. Like they were not the same defense. And then when they came back in the playoffs, D Ford, uh, Quan Alexander, Jaquaski Tartle came back in the playoffs, they were a much better team on defense than, than they were in the last eight games. So I look at last season as like almost three separate seasons. I look at like, okay, the first half, when the defense was there, the second half when the defense was not there, and then the playoffs when when basically like the running game and defense carried them. And the biggest thing about having a guy healthy out, I think, is that when especially with Jimmy, because that was his first full season last year, and I would I think that we would agree that that was probably like he he was still a developing quarterback during that season. He hasn't had enough snaps. When you are developing as a quarterback, you have to stay on the field because you need those reps. You need to be able to develop. And when you don't get those reps, that stunts your growth and stunts your development. It's like, how long is the team supposed to wait around for you to be able to get healthy so that you can develop? And that's why I think that when Alex Smith was drafted, they asked Peyton Manning because they're like, oh, he's the last number one pick, or he was an example of a number one pick that ended up being successful. They asked him, like, what is, what is the key to Alex Smith's success? And I will never forget this. And Peyton Manning said, play, 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 like verbatim. That's what he said. You have to be able to play and you have to be able to, to see those live bullets coming at you because practice is not the same thing. Like, look, people talk about Jimmy like, oh, well, he's been in the system for four years, but I mean, he hasn't been on the field. Like Mullins has also been in the same system for four years too. And has, has he gotten any better? No. 
being on the sidelines and watching things and watching tape doesn't mean anything if you can't get on the field. So yes, they whatever they do going forward, they need to A, ensure that their starting quarterback stays healthy by upgrading the offensive line, which is a problem, despite what people want, how much people want to deny that, or B, and or B, get a quarterback who's either a vet or a, or a rookie who has proven that he can stay healthy over the course of an entire season. That's it. That's what they have to do. And it is common for quarterbacks to throw interceptions their first three, four years in the league. I'm looking, you know, Matthew Stafford's been a big topic of conversation. I know he doesn't have the best running game and hasn't had the best team around him, but he's also had a, had a ton of attempts early in his career. But, you know, he threw 20 interceptions, 16, 17, 19, his first four, four out of his first five years. And then they dropped to 12, 13, 10, 10, 11. And, you know, they dropped. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Though They threw, it was a bit of a different game back then. It's easier to pass now, but they had double-digit interceptions the first five or six years, and then it, it, it dropped, dropped, dropped. The thing with Jimmy is, and Matt Mayoko said this oh, maybe early in November, and I just thought it was a great point. He said that with Garoppolo, you're dinking and dunking, and there's still the turnover. So he's not pushing the ball down the field the way a Stafford or a Rodgers does, and the turnovers are still there. So it's like you're getting the negative effects without the benefits of the big plays. So that so that so that's a big thing with Garoppolo and a big thing with a lot of the guys in this offense where or a lot of the quarterbacks in this offense, I should say, like like number four, is they don't throw the ball downfield very well, but there's still all these turnovers. So you're dinking and dunking, but you're still getting all these turnovers and and that's frustrating. And you just can't sustain sustain wins like that. So we'll see what happens. We're gonna be talking about this quarterback conversation, obviously, for the next however many months and, until something happens what's it going to be march probably before we know really what's going to happen with us um just as it's just it's just frustrating man because you thought last year they were there right mm-hmm. and now we're not there again and that's been a little bit too frequent with me um with this current ownership group where it's just you think we're there and then we're not so people can disagree with me on that um but the court listen this team hasn't had a consistent quarterback in 20 years so yeah, I don't know so what you to say. So, Al, like, let me let me ask you a question. Then they haven't had a consistent quarterback in twenty years. So, what makes you think the organization, not Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch or Adam Peters or me, I'm talking about the 49ers organization. What makes you think that they're going to actually find a quarterback now when they haven't been able to do it in the past twenty years? Because this is, this is obviously a systemic problem. With them. It's yeah, it's a it's a good question, and I, I guess for me, if you're asking me personally, what what I would say is, I know we haven't seen it yet. But I do think there's a good enough this this regime. I, I I think they know they have to get it right this time, and I think they will. I don't want to say they were playing with the house's money the first three or four years, but they weren't going anywhere. I guess they can kind of they knew they had time to build the team. And listen, they were way ahead of schedule last year, making it to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. But now all hell's broken loose this year, and I think maybe there's a little bit of a fire under their ass that we we got to find them now. And like I don't think Shanahan's in any kind of a hot seat trouble at all or lynch either i mean they're going to be here again but i think now they they're they need to figure this out and i I think that they know that and and i do think there's better people in place as a group now listen i loved harbaugh as a coach but balky was terrible gm Mm -hmm. so it's you know it's not like you had a good structure all the way through there now i think that they do i hope that i'm right i know some people would disagree with it but i do think they've made some good decisions here um, there has been some issues personnel wise as well, but I, I guess right now, and this is subject to change. I, I just think that I do trust the regime to get it right this time. Am I crazy? I mean, 
I, it, it's call it, I guess, blind faith because we don't know whether they can or can't, right? Because they never really tried, right? Like the, the first chance they had was with Jimmy. And also the second question I have for you actually, now that you mentioned Harbaugh, is that what do you feel about Jim Harbaugh's ability to evaluate, find and evaluate quarterbacks? You feel like he was good at that? Yeah. Again, I don't know because I, I think that he, he salvaged Alex Smith and he was able to, to give Smith confidence and let Smith kind of do what he does well. But Smith was also on a loaded team. Smith just had to not mess up, right? Mm-hmm. So in the Kaepernick thing, it's strange because he comes in guns blazing and they tailored the offense to him. And then they kind of tried to make him be something he wasn't. So did that throw him off or was Kaepernick just not that good once people figured him out? I, I, I don't know because we never really got to see Colin go anywhere else, right? And, and right. I mean, you, you can't really. I mean, he was with Jim Thomas and Chip Kelly. That was, but. We never really got to see him go anywhere else to see if he was whether he was a flash in the pan or not. I guess we'll never know the answer to that. So I, I guess he, all these years later, I I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's the answer. I don't know. And it's really interesting because that kind of how it ties into today is that one of the guys that Jim Harbaugh scouted was who? Jimmy Garoppolo. He famously went to Eastern Illinois to have a throwing session with Jimmy during before the draft. When before the Patriots drafted Jimmy. Now, the Niners already had Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith in place, but Jim Harbaugh went there anyways to scout him. So it's kind of funny because the guy is a quarterback himself, and I think that makes him qualified to evaluate the position because he knows what it takes. But it's kind of funny to me how that, that all became kind of full circle now with Jimmy being on the Niners so many years later when they could have drafted him at that, that point. But it's funny because it's not only identifying the guy that you want, like Colin Kaepernick was a guy that they wanted clearly, but it's also being able to develop him and make him a good quarterback in the system. And there's so much that goes into that. There's the environment, in the organization, there's the team that you have around him, like the weapons, the skill players, there is the offensive line that, that protects him. And contrary to what we've been hearing on 49ers Twitter, the quarterback does not make the offensive line. The offensive line makes the quarterback. This is, this has been the case forever in football. I don't know where this idea came that, oh, your quarterback makes your all, all of a sudden increases the talent of your offensive line. No, you can hide it for a little bit, maybe like a season or two, but your quarterback will eventually get killed. Like Russell Wilson will probably have more rings on his fingers if he had a, be- a better offensive line. Let's be honest. That's that's And if Pete Carroll ran the ball from one yard line. But that's what it comes down to is that teams build in the trenches for a reason. If you have a quarterback, like I'm looking at all these qu- college quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and Trask and Matt Jones and and Trevor Lawrence and all these guys, uh, Trey Lance, and they're throwing from clean pockets. It's like, dude, that's not going to happen every time in the NFL. It just, it's just not. And especially not with this team, not with this offensive line. So it goes, finding a quarterback is one thing, but then putting him in the right situation for him to succeed is another. Like you got to, right now, the Niners are looking at replacing 60% of their offensive line. Everything from the center right needs to be replaced. Well, Muslim, so, he's not going anywhere though. He's not going He's anywhere. not, but he's not because, because he's still on the rookie deal. and. He's probably the only re- the only way he comes back on the on the fifth year option is if it's cheaper than replacing him with somebody else. So because they they need to cap relief. So I think he'll put on some weight. Hopefully he gets better. But I mean, it's a disaster. Anyways, that was just kind of an aside that I just thought of um, when you mentioned the, the organizational philosophy on on the quarterbacks there. No, I, I I agree with you to an extent, and I guess I disagree with to an extent because I, I do think the quarterback can make up for a shaky offensive line. Can't. 100% make up for it. But 
just being able to read the defense, know where the ball is going to go, getting the ball out quickly. Like there was a play this week with Mullins where a blitz was coming. He had no idea. <laughs> you know, he just did it. He just holds the ball. It looks like he, he's clueless out there. So you can get somebody like Brady. You've seen Peyton Manning do it. I think these some of these quarterbacks that think that it can make up for it. You can also have a guy who's super athletic like Russell Wilson and make up for it that way. So there are mm-hmm. ways that you can make up for it. But yeah, it's certainly better to have, you know, an offensive line like the Colts or something where you can give an ancient Phillip Rivers time to sit back there and, and pick people apart. That's that certainly helps. But listen, got to get it right, man. It's 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 20 years of this. Maybe they do decide to run Jimmy back and if there's no other options out there that they like, but they're going to probably have a pretty high draft pick. So if they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks this time around, I, I would think they're going to pull the trigger. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, okay, so let's, again, and we'll get into some more in detail once we know who's going to be available and what's not. If if there is somebody that they can legitimately get, if Dak's in play, if the Stafford thing comes to fruition and, and he does want to trade, I would think that's the route they're going to go. One, you know, there's probably only one or two guys that they would vets they would really look at like that for a long term solution because you probably you still want to win now, right? Mm-hmm. But if those guys aren't available and they decide to go on from Jimmy, you could see Trubisky on a one year deal and then you draft somebody yes. in the first round. Well, but you draft somebody. So if Trubisky doesn't get resigned by the Bears, I don't think he's going to get a big contract anywhere. So maybe you sign him to a one-year deal thinking, okay, he's going to be the bridge guy or Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, somebody like that, this bridge guy, if they're going to take somebody in that first round. You could see that, but I, I don't think they're going to sign Trubisky to the quarterback. I don't think that at all. Not long-term, I mean. Uh, but we just we have to see how things play out. We have to see who's available. We have to see where they are in the draft. We have to see who's ahead of them in the draft. What if there's six teams ahead of them and need a quarterback? There's a million things we have to see. It's It's just throwing darts at a board right now, I guess, until we really know. So, yeah. I, so the thing about this is that we also have to remember there's a level of development that needs to happen with a rookie quarterback. And there's exceptions to every rule. And I don't think, I don't believe in life is not lived in absolutes. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But when it comes to rookie quarterbacks and winning Super Bowls, which is why we're all here, right? And which is what we go for ultimately. There's been no rookie quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. The only quarterbacks that have been full-time starters that have won, even in their second year, are Ben Roethlisberger and and uh, Russell Wilson. I think Brady was also starting their second year too. So actually, that was that was his first year starting. Mm-hmm. He's had the bench in 2000. So there are three quarterbacks in the last 20 years that, and I and I I say the last 20 years because pre 2000 the game was so different. And like in the nineties, the game was the game was very different. There have been three quarterbacks out of the last twenty years that have won in year two or less, and as a starter. And when you draft a rookie, basically, like Josh Allen, it took him three years to get to this point. Basically, to the point he's at right now, where he's a very, very good NFL quarterback. So, number one, the 49ers and their fans need to show patience when it comes to developing a rookie quarterback. And number two, if you're looking at a two to three year down the road sort of picture here, George Kittle's 30, Fred Warner's 27, mm. Nick Bosa's in his mid-20s. So, and on top of that, you're entering year eight of Kyle Shanahan being here, if he's still here at that point, I think he will be. So you were putting an immense amount of pressure on yourself at that point to get it done because, look, 
I'm of the official stance that Kyle gets a complete pass this year uh, for what's happened. And I oh, think total mulligan. Yeah, total mulligan. Total mulligan. Yep. It's not his fault. Like what's happened this year, no coach is going to win that way. But my question is that like how many of these mulligans will ownership give you? And I know Kyle was a Denise hire, but at the end of the day, all of the film that tells us, oh, this guy's open and Kyle schemes this and that, all of the film and the the hype around Kyle Shanahan being quote unquote an elite coach does not match the production right now. And at some point that's going to have to match up with the hype and the production are going to have to match. And I'm not saying that's anytime soon. I'm saying that like, if you're still in year eight and you don't have another Super Bowl appearance or a Super Bowl win by that point, I mean, that is putting an immense amount of pressure for you going forward to make something work with a young quarterback. Like I've, I've said this many times on the show in the past couple of months that I feel like this is the last shot that Kyle Shanahan gets to, to find a quarterback. He had the shot four years ago. He's had four years to find another one. And this is the last chance that he gets to find one. So you got to make it, you got to make it stick. And the thing with rookie quarterbacks is that none of them are bulletproof. Like Trevor Lawrence is the most polished one out of them all. Yeah. But all of the other guys, like despite what you see and hear on Twitter, like all of them have flaws. And it's funny because I've asked some of the, the supporters of these guys, I'm like, hey, like at some point you should post like the, the negative plays and analyze that. And they're like, yeah, they, they, and they will. And that's coming at some point. And, and I think it'll be a fair analysis and a really good analysis. But there is a quarterback is if you drop a new quarterback onto this team, yeah, that's an, that you think is an upgrade. Yeah, it'll be better, but it's not going to automatically fix all of the problems on the team. Like it's not going to make guys all of a sudden get healthier. We talk about when, when Kyle has a healthy team and when the quarterback position is healthy and all these things. And when X, Y, Z position is healthy, but Al it's the fourth year of this regime and they've never been healthy up to this point. So what makes us think that magically that, that switch flips and they're going to be healthy going forward. So again, life is not dealt with an absolute. So what I'm saying needs to be taken with a grain of salt. But we have to understand that there is no quick solution to this because if there were if there were a quick solution, every team would do the same thing and every team would have a shot at the Super Bowl, and that's just not the case. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge, huge off season. Before I go to the next thing, I did want to say, in terms of the pressures, the quarter the 49ers QBs are getting. 49ers quarterbacks have been hit sixty eight times this year. The next closest team, I believe, was the Eagles, and the number is fifty five. So Niners quarterbacks, whether it's because of the offensive line, whether it's because they're holding onto the ball, whatever it is, they can hit a lot, a lot. And that's definitely a problem that has to get fixed. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Al Sacco here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Sports are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Go to betus.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. That's betus.com. When you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, type in No Huddle Podcast, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. 25 years in the biz, the best bonuses, BetUS should be your sports book. Join today, betus.com. That's B-E-T-U-S.com. 
Don't forget to type in No Huddle Podcast when you get there, betus.com. So wanted to move on, and I put this out on Twitter on Sunday, I think I did it. And the reason I did this is because I think there's kind of two different mentalities with this fan base, and I'll explain. So there's the Eddie DeBartolo mentality, where probably people in the 30s and 40s and, and older have, and I'm sure younger fans have it too, but the people who saw the glory years, I think, have an expectation of this team where they're going to compete for a Super Bowl every year. That's the expectation we want to hold this team to. You're able to compete for that championship every single season. And then there's a York, the York ownership mentality where it's kind of like, dude, we were just in the Super Bowl. What do you want? You're knocking them. They were just in the Super Bowl, like that sort of thing. So and it's funny because with a tweet, you know, I'm getting all these responses on this tweets. And one of them was like, what even in the, is this tweet? Of course, we hold them to the championship standard. And another response was like, well, I'm just used to them losing. So I'll take whatever I can get. So do you know what I mean? Those are the two. And I get tons of responses like that where, where, where dude, they were just in the Super Bowl. You know, we're bad for a couple of years. We'll be back. That's not the way that I look at it. I know. And maybe it's a rhetorical question, but think about this saying the 49ers had five, 10 loss seasons from 1946 to 1998. Okay. So it's what, 53 years from 1999 to what I assume will be this year, another 10 loss season. They've had 11, 10 loss seasons. Since 1999, five of the last six years now, it looks like will be 10 lost seasons. That's rough to take, man. And that's, that's not the mentality I, I, I hold the San Francisco 49ers to. And I just kind of want you to know if you're 25, all you really know is the York ownership. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen anything else. And I wonder if, if, if you know, we've had, some really, we've had some really good seasons lately, but they haven't finished the deal. So there's kind of been this short-term windows, short-term championship windows we've seen with Harbaugh and now with this team that might have been a one-year window. And I just wonder, is it, do you look at it that way? Do you think there's two separate mentalities with this fan base? Absolutely. I think so. And I guess we consider ourselves old-timers now, now that we've seen football in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and 2010s. Now, four, four decades of football. Wow. That makes right. me really old. And the new fans that are coming in, they don't really know, like they know who Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and Steve Young are, but they don't know like what impact they had on the game and, and the city of San Francisco and the team. But I really feel like with the Yorks, it's almost like it's more about the, the money. And when you compete, it's a surprise and you should be happy with that. Uh, much in the same vein as Moneyball, where the owner's like, oh, well, you should be not, I'm not, I'm not saying the, uh, the Yorks are saying this, right. But it just so happens that the mentality has, this mentality has kind of become prevalent since they took over the team, but that same sort of money ball mentality where it's like, okay, we should just be happy with competing, but like, we're not really going to be competing for championships. Like again, A's fan here and the A's fan base is the same way where you have a, a subset of fans that are okay with just competing. And you have fans are pissed off. Like, dude, we haven't won a World Series in like 31 years now. At some point, like you have to stop competing and like actually, you know, crap or get off the pot basically. And just being there is not good enough. You have to make some noise when you're done. You have to give people a reason to believe that you're just, that you're trying more than to just be relevant. And that's what I'm afraid of is that this kind of negative pattern will continue where the mentality of just happy to be there 
is there because people haven't seen success and we stop wanting to win championships. So I, I agree that I, I see it because again, I'm part of a fan base in baseball that lives it. And the Niners are almost, almost trying to run the same sort of way where they're minimizing cap costs and they want to be prudent with their money and they'll give out big deals to weird positions, but they won't pay for other guys like DeForest Buckner's example. They won't pay for health. They'll pick, they'll pick um, players that have some small imperfections in the hope that they can get more out of them, like low ceiling, high reward sort of thing. And you, it puts you into a, a, a vicious cycle because if that doesn't work, then you start to lose. And if, and if they don't change that mentality, then you're stuck in losing until, number one, you get lucky with the coach as they did with Harbaugh. Or number two, you get lucky with a coach and a quarterback which we're hoping happens with Kyle. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So, yeah, I agree. I, I see that mentality too. And I guess I started to think of this because I'm looking at just sort of their Super Bowl ball window. I don't know what other people think about in their head, but all I think about is like sports. <laughs> so I'll just be sitting there randomly and I'm thinking about like, hey, the 49ers Super Bowl window. And they made all these moves, big money moves. Quan Alexander, D Ford, Weston Richburg, uh, Jarek McKinnon, I'm forgetting somebody else that I want to name, but you know, these, these big money moves with these guys who have been hurt and these guys who are hurt. So they put draft capital in big upfront contracts to essentially have these guys for a year or two. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was the other one. Now he, he he's hurt. <laughs> Another guy you acquired and paid big money to and he hasn't been on the field. So whether it's, it was on purpose. Hey, let's try to catch lightning in a bottle with these guys for a couple of years and hope we're good. Or they just paid money for damaged goods unknowingly. It's caused your window to be very small, right? Especially because they haven't figured out the most important position at quarterback. But I hope that they did it unconsciously. And I hope they, it was just bad luck and these guys got hurt and it wasn't a thing where they're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle and then, oh, let's rebuild for another, not rebuild, but try to reload for another couple of years. I, I hope, I, I hope that's not the mindset. And again, a lot of people will say to me, well, Al, who cares? They made, they made the Super Bowl. It was worth it. No, it's not. They didn't win the Super Bowl. For me as a fan, I I'm not content with that. It, it was a fun year. It was a great season. I love 2019. I'll always look back on it fondly, but they didn't win the championship. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? So you, you, you spent all this money and you got all these guys and now you're kind of starting over again in one year where you just made, if you, if you won the championship, you know what? Great. You got the chip. You didn't do it. So when you do that short-term type build, whether it was intentionally or not, it hurts you in the long run. And I want to see this team built for sustained success where they're like the Seahawks. We hate the Seahawks, but they've won 10 games every year, but one in Russell Wilson's career. And I think they were nine and seven the year that didn't win 10. I want to see the Niners built like that. I don't want to see them get to a Super Bowl once every six or seven years, and then they suck for two or three years after that. And then they get to the championship game, and then they suck for two or three years after that. I want to see sustained success where they're there year in and year out. So I think part of this, again, systemic problems, where the way that Parag has his team built and the way that he likes to have contracts and things like that, because look, Jed York is Jed York is not going anywhere. He's the, he's the owner. We can't fire the owner, right? Like we we realized that when people were flying banners over the stadium, <laughs> you can't you can't fire the owner. Well, he's not even the owner. He's the CEO. His parents own the team. 
Prague, the way that he does the team and, and does the contracts, Prague has a lot of influence behind the scenes that people don't realize. And the way that he does this is that they have a certain way that they value players that they push onto the coaching staff and they push onto man, uh, the, the front office. And they value smaller contracts. Again, they value low risk, high reward guys like undrafted free agents, late round picks, things like that, because they keep salaries low, right? And and th- that's kind of twofold because on the football in the football sense, that does allow you the flexibility to be able to improve your roster elsewhere and be able to get big big money guys. And um, it does also mean that you have guys on rookie contracts that you know you can over the course of four years that hopefully extends your window, but. That being said, when you rely on undrafted free agents and late round picks, there's a reason why they went undrafted in their late round guys. Because typically, and I'll preface this by saying that your draft decision does not guarantee you success, but the theory and the chances of your success are higher when you are drafted earlier because the thought is that you are more ready to play and more ready to contribute immediately and be a bigger of bigger impact than a late round guy because your limitations are less than the guys that, are in, that go in the late rounds or on drafted free agents, right? I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. So right now, you flash forward to what the Niners are doing right now, and you look at the amount of late round picks, undrafted free agents, kind of cast off uh, free agents from other teams that they have on their team, and you're seeing what happens when these guys don't play up to par. I felt like last year, Al, and I think – I, I went over it with Lebanon stats in the offseason, but I, I felt like last year a lot of guys played above their level and the entire team kind of played above what you would normally expect, like a level of player for that, a level uh, that would, would be su- sufficient for that player. And that's kind of what got them to like where they, they, where they were last year. But now a lot of those guys are performing more like, you know, like a late round pick, round draft or free agent, um, or they're not able to stay on the field. So Raheem Mostert, who a lot of people are giving grief, for, I mean, I, that's first of all, that's really stupid. Like, if you're, if you are a fan of a team, do not talk smack to the players directly to them. Do not go on to their Instagram. Smack? Who is so, talking smack to Moster? I'll I'll post it on my Twitter shortly. But I, but I saw somebody posted a, a screenshot. It was uh, Black Thor uh, at Mister Roscoe's posted a screenshot. So follow his, uh, go to his account. You can see it. But. Couple of screenshots of Raheem Mostert's Instagram, people just saying like they're trash, you know, you should just retire. It's like, dude, come on, man. Don't be oh a bunch God. of idiots. Dude, like, dude's been playing with a hurt ankle. He's, exactly. He's not healthy and he's gotten it out right now. Exactly. And see, that's so, first of all, I'll say that. And the second thing is, is to that point, he is going to get out and he has had a hurt ankle. And, you know, he had the broken arm that caused him to miss half of 2018. And he got the load last year towards the, the middle of the season. He started carrying the load. And then this year he tried to carry the load, but he couldn't. But the thing is that Mostert's an undrafted free agent, right? You don't expect these guys to be able to be the guys to carry the load on your team because they all have limitations, right? Some of them have health limitations, some of them have talent, some of them have whatever, right? But there's some sort of limitation that pushed them out of the draft. And when you try to count on those guys to carry your team and they fail, that is a big miss on your part because it's like, okay, well, we were counting on this guy and now this, this person's not able to do it for whatever reason. So there's a hole there. But my point is that you can't count on them in the first place. And you shouldn't count on them in the first place because they are role players. And this is the problem out with the team is that they're trying to push role players into prominent roles. And 
a lot of these guys, for whatever reason, injuries, whatever, they're not able to handle it or they're not ready to handle it. And that's what you're seeing now. Um, Mostert's one example. I mean, the offensive line, again, the, the center and guard position is another example. Um, when they try to try to put Brunskill in a guard, he just wasn't, he's an undrafted guy. It's like, all right, he was undrafted for a reason. So at some point you got to spend money in the right way and you got to spend your draft picks in the right way to find guys that can immediately contribute. And I think that's, that's part of it. Yeah. And I, I, I do think it's funny though, cause you know, I'm on team never pay a running back, but yeah. the Niners <laughs> paid all that money for McKinnon and all that money for Coleman and the two undrafted free agents are the ones carrying the load right now in most and Wilson. Hold on to the ball. Listen, I, I love Jeff Wilson. You know, you know, I love the way he runs. If, if he can clear up that fumbling problem, I think he, he's got, he's got a future on this team for sure. And most are will too, man. You know, let's, everybody's hurt on this freaking team this year. Yep. It's been a weird season. Let's give him another year before we say that he, he can't carry the load. And I don't think he's a 250 carry guy, but he's probably 180 carry guy. And that's fine. That's all the mm-hmm. Niners need him to be. Cause he's going to timeshare and he can be very effective like that. Yep. So give him some time. You know, I didn't, I didn't see that or know that I, I cannot believe fans would, would get on Mostert like that, especially after what he, he did coming out of nowhere last year. It's yeah, crazy. It's pathetic. it's pathetic. It's crazy. So Zane, you were saying to me too, and I did not see it. You said somebody called out Kyle today or something. So somebody did call out Kyle and, um, Let's get into this. we're talking about like, you know, and I think, <laughs> I think, we all know who this person is, but um, and and uh, WebZone has taken a beating because of that. But I will say that for those of you who read those tweets, the the, the rest of us at WebZone don't necessarily agree with that. Okay, so I want to don't paint with a broad brush here. Was it, um, wait was it was it somebody like just somebody who writes for the WebZone, or was it somebody who has like on the radio a radio show? Uh, so it was it was WebZone and also a radio show too. Oh, okay. so it was both. Yeah, so. I'll, I'll, I'll do the web zone thing first. So just know that I'll, I'll say this much and I'll move to the radio show. But so those, those of you who have seen this on web zone, it's not the reflection of the rest of us on the side. I think it's just an opinion. It's an opinion piece, right? So I think that's what we should remember. Al and I both agree that Kyle should get a, a full mulligan for this year. And he's a good coach. So after that's that, the only thing, not, to interrupt, not to interrupt you. That's the only thing with the web zone. Cause there's a lot of different writers. I don't even yeah. know who writes for the site. Um, but it comes out when it looks like it's coming from 49ers web zone. And it's really not. What does it say at the bottom? Like the opinion of this writer doesn't reflect or whatever. It's usually yeah. what it is. So yeah, don't, when, when, if you get pissed at that, don't be like the web zone. It's just, it's the person who's writing it, whoever that happens to be. Yeah. Exactly. Opinion of the web zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so PSA done, but we'll move on to the, the radio host. So Matt Steinmetz, who's a radio host here in the Bay Area, 95 something game. He, he's not a Niner fan, by the way. He's like an Eagles fan, I think. Matt Steinmetz. Okay. So it's a Matt Steinmetz, Steinmetz NBA. Yep. Yep. Okay. And I don't know who he is. He uh, put out uh, the question yesterday about Kyle Shanahan possibly being on the hot seat, John Lynch being on the hot seat. But like, he's like, oh, uh, I don't remember the tweet verbatim, but he said he put the question out there. And I think it's so ridiculous that people even think that these guys are on the hot seat after what they've had to endure and the, the really terrible hand that they've had they've been dealt you can't say that any coach even the best coach will not win in this circumstance who's winning without their starting quarterback for 10 plus games a year two two out of three years who is winning without the best player on your offense and your defense for the majority of the year like nobody's winning that nobody's winning in that way and with 
30 plus players on IR, using 78 different players this year, the most in the league. Nobody's winning that way. And I think that until Kyle Shanahan gets a healthy team and until he gets a quarterback of his choice or a quarterback that can run his offense, we cannot accurately judge him. It's not fair to say, number one, I don't think it's accurate to say he's elite because again, the production doesn't match. He's got a losing record and he's lost. He, he will have lost 10 games in three out of his four years here. But I also think it's unfair to say that he should be replaced or that he's not a good coach because health has been an issue with his players and coaches aren't going to succeed because of that. So to me, the only time we can accurately really start the evaluation process of Kyle is when he gets a, a, a healthy team and B, a quarterback that can run the system. Before then, I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear about Kyle Shannon being replaced. I don't want to hear that he's a bad coach. Does he do, do dumb stuff? Sure, he does dumb stuff, but every coach does dumb stuff. That doesn't mean he should be replaced. The idea that he's on the hot seat for stuff that really isn't his fault. Yeah, you could say, okay, Deshaun Watson, he, he didn't draft him, Mahomes, whatever, but that's three years ago. I mean, I, I, like, I know we've gotten on him about that, but that's the, the criticism that you can say about him. It's like, okay, he didn't draft those guys, but everything else, it's a miracle that he's had this team competitive for as long as he did. Like they were in the playoff hunt until two weeks ago. So with all the injuries that they've had and all of the stuff that they've gone through, being kicked out of the city of Santa Clara, being the players being away from their home, having all these guys on IR, missing your starting quarterback and best players on both sides of the ball, and you still have them in the hunt basically until week, you know, week 13. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. And I don't, I don't see how you can be on a hot seat after that. Well, yeah, I'm looking at his tweet right now. It certainly lacks context. So it says Jim Harbaugh in four years as 49ers head coach, 44, 19 and one result fired. Kyle Shanahan, four years as 49ers head coach, 28, 34 result secure. Yeah. Put some context on that. Like you said, Harbaugh walked into a team with Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Frank Gore, uh, that had just invested in the offensive line a year before and Iopati and Davis. He walked into a really, really strong roster and Harbaugh did a great job with it. Great job with it. And the reason he got fired is because he didn't, you know, it was, it was a personal thing. It had nothing to do with what was going on the field at all. It was behind the scenes drama. It had nothing to do with what was going on the field. And Shanahan, like you said, he walked into a mess. <laughs> he walked into the worst roster in the league. They're two and 14, no answers anywhere. They were running out. Who were the skill positions when he started that team? Jeremy Curley, Quentin yeah. Patton. <laughs> is, that, is that what it was? I mean, it was absolutely awful. It was one of the worst defenses of all time under Jim, Jim O'Neill. It was awful. He walked into nothing, nothing. And he came in and he lost a bunch of one score games that first year. And then they go on the run at the end. And then the next season his starting quarterback tears his ACL in the third game. What are you going to do? That probably would have been an eight or nine win year if Garoppolo didn't get hurt. Then he makes a Super Bowl in year three. <laughs> a year ahead of schedule, as far as I'm concerned. And this year has been the worst luck of any team I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, you can't judge Kyle yet. You can't do it. And look, Kyle's going to be the first 49ers head coach to lose 10 games in a season three times. And it doesn't make a difference at all because of the situation he's been under. You can't look at it that way. You have to look at it in the context. Um, two years from now, if we're still not winning, okay, well, we got a different discussion. But let's let's see what happens in the next two years. They were in the Super Bowl last year. You've seen what how what Kyle can do when he has the horses. So mm-hmm. let's let's make sure they can get the horses back in there again. And I, I think he'll be fine. If there is a question I have with this team, it's not coaching. I I think they have a lot of good coaches on the team. It's can they get some of these personnel decisions right? Can they stop going after the injured players? 
And can they fix the quarterback position? My questions are more personnel driven than they are coaching. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. And uh, man, it's funny because looking back at this game that they had (laughs) against Dallas, uh, it's really painful because it started off terribly. They got back into it. Um, Right now, I'll be honest with you, Al, the only guy that I'm excited to watch on the offense right now is Brandon Ayuk. Oh, yeah. The only guy. Yeah. And let me let me throw a stat at you. So he's 267 yards shy of getting a thousand yards receiving on the season. If he gets there, he will be the only 49ers rookie receiver to gain a thousand yards receiving in the history of the team. Wow. So and then we're talking about T.O., Jerry Wright, two of the best, two of the top three receivers of all time came from this team. And he'll be the only the third wide receiver since T.O. Am I right? Yeah, just Crabtree and Bolden to get a thousand yards if he does that. Kittle's yeah. had it, obviously, but he's a tight end, so he'd only be the third wide receiver to do that. It's crazy. He listen. He's he's been amazing. Um, he's a legit number one. The Niners when they get Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk on the field, it, it's going to be scary. Those are three legit weapons. You get somebody in there to pull the trigger, and the, the, look, the nine. <laughs> They, they do. They make a couple of the right choices. The Niners are going to be fine next year. They're going to be a playoff team again. They have some choices mm-hmm. to make, but it's not going to be this bad again next year. It yeah, can't be I agree. for my sanity. I agree. With that said, Ayuk is going to get my game ball. I took. I took the only chance. I mean, I took the only player that that deserves one. <laughs> you know who I? Okay, so Eric Armstead had a really good game, but he's getting he paid did. to have really good games. So I'm glad he he, he finally had one. I'm going to give it to Kella Witherspoon who's been in the doghouse mm-hmm. and left for dead. And he played really well, mm-hmm. really well. He had six targets and he only gave up two completions for something like 13 yards or something like that. I saw, mm-hmm. um, I thought he had a good game. So uh, what, the, what the hell? Let's get, let's get it to Kello, man. Let's throw a game ball out at him. There oh, you go. know who else I want to give it to? Um, we'll split it just because I haven't talked a lot about him this year, but I'm really impressed at how he's played. Not necessarily the st- st- statistics, won't jump out at you. But when you watch him on the field, Javon Kinlaw is really coming around, dude. Yeah. Really yeah. coming around. And I'm excited for him next year when, when he's got some edge help around him. Um, obviously, he'll always be compared to DeForest Buckner, fair or not. But even if he doesn't develop to that level, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. He's, he's developed really well towards the end of the season. I'm excited for his future. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of plays where he just was right in the backfield, had a couple of TFL, TFLs. He was taking double teams. One of the sacks from Armstead became because he ran a stunt where Kinlaw took two guys and Armstead came yeah. free through the middle. Yeah. Like it was, it was done to perfection. So I can't wait till Bosa gets back. And if they get edge help on the other side, this line is going to be super scary next year. Super happy about uh, Kinlaw's development. Absolutely. Um, All right. So what do we got here? What do we got next? We got. Uh, do we even want to pick this next? game next week? Oh, do God. we even. <laughs> doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, so I will never root for them to lose. This is the other thing is I see a lot of people rooting for them to lose. Don't be that guy. Don't, don't openly root for your team to lose. Okay. It's, it's one thing to say, you know what? I hope they're competitive, but if they lose, I get it. It's okay. It's okay if they lose because I understand they don't have the horses. It's another thing to say, yeah, let's, let's lose every game so we can tank for a draft pick. Like that's just a loser mentality. And then you show up. If they win a Super Bowl, then you show up at the victory parade like, oh, yeah, we won after rooting for them to lose. Like, it's just so cheap to me. Like, don't do that. Don't be that guy. I, I have a hard time rooting for them to lose. Uh, yeah. I do. Like, even this week, I'm like, once they got behind, I'm like, all right, it's probably better 
if they lose, but then they start to come back and I don't want them to lose. You know, I don't want them to lose. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to win again the rest of the year. So <laughs> five and 11 it is. Yeah. The Cardinals, the funny thing about the Cardinals is that they, we thought a few weeks ago that they would hopefully split this game, but it's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen with your third stringer in there. CJ is probably going to get the start. Josh Johnson probably be the backup. And Mullins, by the way, we really didn't touch on it too much, but he came out with the elbow injury. For me, as a former pitcher, I consider myself to be an expert on elbows and shoulders because of the nature of what my job was. And just the way that he said after the game, like, oh, I couldn't, like, I lost sensation in my my forearm or, like, you know, down to my fingers after they hit my elbow. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Like, if that happens and, like, you hit your funny bone sometimes, like, you get the tingling, it eventually comes back, but it didn't, like, it didn't come back for him. And he couldn't really throw a football. I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, we'll wait for the results of whatever MRI, MRI and x-rays he's going to take. Hopefully later on this week we'll know. But, I mean, I, that, didn't, that did not look good to me. It's fine. Throw CJ out there for a couple games, see what he could do, and then just move on from both of them next yeah. year. He completed so. a Hail Mary. CJ completed a Hail Mary. And the funny thing is, I don't remember the last time the Niners actually completed a Hail Mary at the end of a half. I don't oh, yeah, I have no idea. Being, <laughs> I remember a few being completed against them, but I don't remember the last time they actually completed, successfully completed a Hail Mary. So boring got the touchdown. CJ threw it 60 yards. It's nice to see a quarterback do that on the Niners. <laughs> Yeah, at least he's got a strong arm, right? Maybe yep. we'll see some downfield plays, at least. I'm sure we'll see like five or six turnovers, too, but maybe there'll be some big plays mixed in there. God, it's going to be a painful show next week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we love maybe it. We'll mix, maybe we'll mix in some guests or something at this point. I know we haven't done a lot of guests since I came back, but maybe we'll let's start mixing it. some in. Let's do it. Let's, let's make right. some calls. Let's reach out and see what happens. That sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right, Zane. Well, let's drop a merry, merry Christmas and and, and uh, happy holidays to people, right? Because oh yeah, I don't even, dude. I've been like working from home and like locked up for so long. I, I keep forgetting it's Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, Christmas <laughs> is a Friday already. So, yeah, everybody, Merry Christmas. Enjoy it. Um, hope even with with you know the coronavirus, you're able to have a really really good holiday. And with this, forget about this Niners season for a little while. And Niners are on Saturday this week, right? Yeah, on Amazon Prime. So that'll be mm-hmm. day after Christmas. Um, you have a nice Christmas and then get made miserable again, watching your favorite team. So, <laughs> yep. Everybody, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy. Um, for those people that are part, you know, um, hope everybody is okay. And, you know, it's just, uh, I say that because I'm, I'm currently apart from my wife and daughter. They're, they're coming back in a couple of weeks, but, but, um, I, you know, it's been a really tough year for a lot of people in a lot of ways, but please take this time out to enjoy, um, enjoy what you love. All right, everybody till next week for Zane. This is Al. Bye.